Welcome to Startup Confidential. What food and beverage industry players will never tell you that you need to know if you're running a startup. Let's do this. Welcome to Episode 67, The Skinny Pop Trap of Sales-Driven Growth. Skinny Pop's ultra-fast exponential growth ride is by now quite famous in the industry. I even added to its fame by highlighting it in my book as perhaps the single fastest velocity-driven ride to $100 million ever witnessed in the premium food space. A crack CPG sales team led the charge up the ramp from 2010 to 2014. Velocities grew organically as the accounts turned on and on and on and on every salesperson's dream in CPG. But one of the problems that Amplify Snacks inherited was that the growth really decelerated fast during the brief IPO phase, right above $100 million in trailing sales. In fact, it was a material reason that they ended up acquiring additional large snack brands as a public company. So why the deceleration? Well, it wasn't because they had reached too many households, I can tell you that. But they had reached almost 60% all-out lit ACV in the U.S., and over 25,000 stores. The brand's velocities decelerated dramatically in 2016, a year which yielded only $8 million in new revenue growth for Skinny Pop. So how is it that so many brands can ride the ramp to $100 million and then fizzle out? If the brand had strong product experience-led fundamentals, like I discuss in Ramping Your Brand, what went wrong? Was it tactical? Was it an act of God or something else? The two big suspects in nine-figure CPG stall-out situations are one, a lack of addressable market for the attribute outcome signal in the base category, and two, a lack of funding toward out-of-store awareness building activities reminding the consumer, re-recruiting them, etc. A lot of folks riding the ramp pay awfully little attention, probably because things are going so well, as to whether or not their velocity growth is happening via growing buyer counts or household penetration growth, or via same household consumption increase within the original cohorts of buyers. Oopsie. Yes, this is all measurable. And without a 200K 8451 contract from Kroger, the fuck is up with the fees at 8451? No startup rates? Really? Come on, people. You don't need to drive a Porsche in Cincinnati. The weather sucks. Anyways, my point is that there is no excuse for suddenly running out of households if you're a skate ramp brand that just topped $100 million. You should have seen this problem coming your way months in advance. Because back then, you could have made some really bold decisions. In Skinny Pop's case, I doubt that the serviceable market for low-calorie, ready-to-eat popcorn, a category that, you know, is one of America's oldest snack foods, is the reason for the stall-out. I mean, really. Instead, I believe it was that the early Amplified leadership during that IPO period simply didn't believe in out-of-store tactics, honestly had little experience making them work in prior businesses, and focused instead on turning Amplify into a holding company, which would be profitable and sellable 
to a strategic, rather than focusing attention on mid-market growth fundamentals for its hero brand that had started at all, Skinny Pop. Since most early-stage growth brand velocities grow primarily on the basis of word of mouth from rabid fans, it can be amazingly easy to take this word of mouth and the acceleration that it's giving you for granted as you ride the ramp and focus more and more on adding distribution. With Skinny Pop, this temptation must have been absolutely unavoidable because it didn't seem to matter how much ACV they added Each year, from 2010 to 2015, the velocities kept growing. In fact, the velocities kept growing even when ACV doubled from 2013 to 2014. That is the sign, folks, of a killer product line with almost perfect market timing. Ultimately, Skinny Pop as a brand didn't get built as much out of the store as in the store. And this isn't necessarily bad. It's a sign of brilliant product design plus smart sales work unlocking basically the whole Pandora's box. And yes, there was amazing word of mouth based on that product experience alone. But here's the thing. Word of mouth is often, from consumers that is, is often not enough to sustain growth once you hit the nine figures. You need to phase in awareness building and ground game tactics out of the store to reach newer households who are going to be far less motivated initially to try. You need to chase them. The brands that I see who grow continually in the double digits to $500 million or beyond, especially in oversupplied categories like food, in most cases were building ground-level enthusiasm with consumers from the very beginning of the brand, or at least very early on. In fact, those brands that committed to this early often build in large internal marketing execution teams, honestly, virtual ad agencies inside themselves, teams that are cranking out nonstop content, omni-media content, like my dear friends at Dr. Squatch. These true 4P brands did not scale the brand, see velocities decline, and then decide to focus on the consumer and consumer promotion. Facepalm, grown, Overlooking consumer interaction is a unique problem for experienced sales-driven teams who are riding the ramp with an admittedly almost perfectly timed product design. But honestly, this is just a big-ass version of what might happen to many of you when you hit 20 million or so and see the exact same problem in your top-line numbers. Don't forget the consumer, folks, and don't forget consumer promotion and interaction. That's all I've got this time, folks. And as usual, be safe out there. Dr. Richardson's new book, Ramping Your Brand, is available now on Amazon. Please check it out and spread the word. And don't forget also to take his founder's quiz to see if your team is ready to ride the ramp of exponential growth. You can download the quiz at rampingyourbrand.com anytime. And feel free to share your scores with Dr. Richardson anytime at james at premiumgrowthsolutions.com.